Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. You know, to be honest with you, I kind of went into this episode feeling pretty intimidated, <laughs> um, because my guest in this episode is um, the wonderful Sean Wallace. Um, you may know him as uh, the Dark Destroyer on the on the quiz show The Chase, uh, but yeah, I was I was quite nervous about talking to Sean because he comes across, I suppose, on television as quite um, as quite blunt and as quite uh, matter of fact. I suppose his his uh, television persona is, but you know what, he was a really nice guy to talk to and uh, really open to be um, asked anything. You know, we spoke about a range of things. Uh, we spoke about um, you know obviously this. Uh, this thing called COVID-19, we spoke about that a little bit, we spoke about politics, we spoke about um, some history stuff, we spoke about his um, his sort of uh, evolution into being a, a, a normal quizzer that enjoyed doing it, into going into uh, becoming the, the quiz mastermind that he is, and you know, as we know him on the chase. Um, yeah, it's a really wonderful chat we had with Sean, we covered a lot of topics, and uh, yeah, it was great talking to him, because, you know, one thing that you probably don't see uh, of Sean on, on the chase because of his um, persona that he's sort of um, portraying as the as the Dark Destroyer, is he really does care about people. He he really does, and, and you really got the sense of that um, in the in this um, chat that I had with him. So without further ado, here is um, my chat with the chase's Dark Destroyer, Sean Wallace. Sean Wallace, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. How how's this um year been for you? This 2020, this weird year that's been going down. It's been uh, tough for everybody, uh, me included. Uh, but uh, you know, you've really got to make the most of uh, uh, the situation. And uh, although it uh, had uh, drastically affected my legal work in terms of not being able to actually appear in court, uh, you know, I still have uh, been able to actually manage to do the odd application here and there. Uh, but uh, so far as the chase is concerned, again, uh, it was very, very difficult. Uh, we uh, managed to go right up until the last week in March. Then, obviously, uh, due to the uh, various restrictions uh, placed upon the entertainment industry at large, uh, we also had to lock down, and we only really recently came back in September. So it's been tough, but uh, I've managed to actually uh, reconnect with my fans in terms of sending them uh, Twitter messages, Doing loads of Zoom quizzes and the like, so uh, right. it's it's been okay. Yeah, because like, we briefly spoke on the phone the other day, and I got the sense that you're someone that really needs to keep yourself busy and active. Because I mean, I mean, this this year, I guess that you can be kind of. I hear it from a lot of people; they're getting really sort of bored, frustrated, and I guess for you, you're just like, right, I'm going to do something to make sure I'm keeping myself going. Yeah, I've always kept myself active. But what's been really fantastic is that I've been able to actually train every single day. I mean, I normally oh, train wow. five days a week anyway, but. Uh, it's given me time to actually really put in some uh, physical training, uh, which stood me in good stead for when I did Don't Rock the Boat in uh, the summer. So um, yeah, I was going to say, 
yeah. what was that experience like? Because I, I mean, I haven't caught up with all of it yet. I saw the waterfall experience that you had, but, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. what was that whole experience like? It looked fantastic. It, it was. It was the hardest physical and mental challenge that I've ever had. Uh, undertaken and the reason why I did it I wanted to see whether or not at the ripe old age of 60 because I turned 60 in June oh wow whether or not I could still uh, you know motivate myself physically and mentally and uh, I came through it and it was a fantastic experience uh, you know um, alongside uh, 11 other celebrities we got on really really well so uh, me and Craig Charles uh, we're, we're mates for life because we were just constantly taking the mickey out of each other constantly Brilliant. it was a good day and uh, Adam Thomas who was uh, formerly in um, Emmerdale uh, he's a guy I love really because I mean he was the only one who was actually rowing in a uh, uh, fifteen thousand pound Rolex watch and a sort of a thousand pounds Gucci glasses. <laughs> cool. uh, and I found formed a really good friendship with uh, 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 Jack Finchon uh, of Love Island fame, and you know the Finchon and Wallace Roadshow was uh, really really good. Brilliant, yeah. Well, I got a year to become sixty in the sixtieth year for year twenty twenty. Bit of a weird year to celebrate it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw Gary Lineker became sixty today, actually, as well. Yeah, yeah, Lineker was sixty today, and sadly, the passing of uh, Maradona. Uh, he was yeah. sixteen uh, October, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you're a chief Brad, footballer. Brad, Bradley Walsh was sixty. Uh, I'm two days older than Bradley, so um, t- me and Tony Hadley, uh, who's a good mate of mine, we're born on the same day. So um, I'm uh, born. I was born ten past twelve, just after midnight. And I don't know when Tony Hadley was born, but uh, you know we're born on the same day, so okay. a lot of good people are sixty this year. Yeah, yeah, sixty if you're here. Um, you, so you're really into your football, aren't you? You're big, are you a big Chelsea fan? Big Chelsea fan. I was yeah. a bit disappointed with last night's result. It was, I've, yeah. got loads, I've got loads of Spurs friends, and uh, I was uh, I didn't watch the uh, game yesterday live because I was in the studio recording, and I left strict instructions not to tell me what the result was. I did. I switched my phone off. Until I finished recording late at eight thirty, uh, then uh, my my cab driver came out and he said to me, "Oh, sure, it was a nil-nil draw," and I was disappointed. Uh, but as long as we didn't lose to that lot, uh, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't the best game. I did watch parts of it yesterday. It wasn't. Well, it looked a tactical battle between two teams who were, you know, uh, on the ascendancy. I mean, Mourinho, obviously our former manager, is a uh, math tactitioner. He knows how to win championships. So. Uh, if anybody can uh, finally break Tottenham's duck of winning uh, major silverware, it's him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm a Newcastle fan, so I haven't got too much shout to shout about silverware. I don't, I don't think we know what silverware is. Really, well, okay, we beat you the game before, but you know, yeah. we went up to uh, Newcastle. Um, this is something like five times in our last seven meetings, you've beaten us. So uh, yeah. I was a bit wary when we were up to. Uh, uh, St James's Park. I've never actually been up that stadium. Must be fantastic, but I'm looking forward to yeah. going. Yeah, no, I've been there. I've been there a few times when I was younger. It's a, a fantastic stadium to be a part. I feel a bit sorry for you know the fans, everything at the minute because the way the clubs ran, Mike Ashley, it's a whole different story up there. And Steve Bruce yeah. is getting a bit of stick, but he's doing the best of what he's got. I think you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so what's been your sort of opinions on the whole this whole COVID situation in terms of you know we having the the vaccines coming out? We're getting you've seen these protesters in London, um, the sort of anti lockdown, anti vaxxers I mean, yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get the two polarized uh, uh, wings. You're gonna get people who've been sort of uh, you know uh, COVIDed out. So I suppose I'll use that expression mm-hmm. in terms of you know suffering lockdown and uh, you know the faction who are taking the more sensible approach, which is the faction I belong to. That yeah, it's been hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've all got to uh, row together in the same boat. And if we do, then we can actually defeat this uh, um, terrible disease, which has uh, claimed so many lives, not only in England, but, uh, you know, around the world. 
And um, it's good that, um, you know, the scientists have worked uh, their socks off really to actually try and find what is uh, um, likely to be a, a cure for uh, this uh, vaccine. And uh, let's just hope that, um, you know, it is a proper cure that uh, will actually uh, rid the COVID virus, virus forever. Yeah, because I mean, we are, you, you do get the sides of people saying, you know, all oh, lockdowns aren't necessary and, and all this. But at the end of the day, like, it, it, we're only doing it because we really have to, you know. It, there's, it's not one of these things that we're doing, you know, half-heartedly because you think of businesses that are affected, um, people that are having to wait on cancer treatment, people, the men's rates, especially men's rates and suicides, I think, going going up quite high. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it affected everybody's mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, under, you know, sadly so. Uh, because you know, uh, you know, man's natural desire is obviously not to be confined and constrained, uh, but it is a necessary evil, I, in my view. Uh, that uh, it does show that if you do lock down um, uh, and everybody adheres to rules, it does uh, control the virus. But the problem is that once you do lock down, people sort of you know spring back to normality, and that's why you see the sort of up and down nature of the sort of uh, cases rising. In terms of the virus, so if we people do uh, adhere to lockdown, then I think that we should be sensible in terms of not going back to our ways, and that's the way in which the virus spreads. Yeah, and I suppose that's human conditioning in human nature. Once you know you're suppressed, you want to be free, and you want to sort of make up your mates, you want to sort of basically uh, mingle in that way. But um, it, it's hard, you know. Not everybody sort of you know detached like I am, because you know for me. I think it's a no-brainer mm-hmm. uh, for, to actually, you know, adopt a sensible approach uh, and, uh, you know, try and, uh, as best as they possibly can, to actually adhere to the rules. Yeah. But uh, on the uh, um, other side, you've got to think of the economy. Obviously, um, uh, this is the worst economic crisis we're now enduring uh, since, uh, what, this in the last 300 years. It's mm-hmm. even worse than the 2008 uh, economic yeah. disaster. Um, so, you know... Um, I really generally feel for all those businesses which have gone under. Uh, my own view, uh, for what it's worth, is that um, I think we should all, um, we've all got to contribute to it uh, in terms of paying more tax, I suppose, in order to actually try and get our finances under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the furlough scheme was very, very good. Uh, it was something which I advocated at the start because, uh, you know, how are businesses going to survive if um, there is lockdown? Uh, but um, at the same token, it's all got to be paid for. We can't be constantly borrowing money uh, on the never-never because we'll be saddling a debt on, you know, not just the next generation, but generations to come. Mm-hmm. So I think it's incumbent upon, uh, and I, as I, I have no qualms about it. You know, people may say, well, you can say that because you've got two jobs. Uh, but it's all about everybody uh, having that sort of communi- community sort of spirit and ethos uh, whereby... Uh, we've all got to pay our fair share in order to actually help drag this country out of the economic mire in which it found itself in. Yeah, yeah, I, I do worry a little bit about the Christmas period where we're going to kind of relax the rules over that kind of Christmas. I, 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 I think it's madness. Um, yeah. I, um, I, I, the problem is, is that um, um, there's been no uh, real coherent strategy by this government, sadly. Mm. And it would be fair to say, and again, I might be sounding controversial. Uh, but when the initial stages of lockdown, they took a sort of blasé approach to it. I remember the uh, famous quote by Matt Hancock on, in January 2004 that uh, this is going to be a relatively minor uh, um, epidemic. <laughs> and uh, 
uh, almost 55, uh, 56,000 people have lost their lives. And I still maintain, I might be wrong, I still maintain that when uh, the rest of Europe was having a sort of coherent policy of trying to actually control the virus, you know, under the auspices of possibly the European Union, because Britain was still stuck in its sort of throes of Brexit uh, and liberation, that they wanted to have a go-it-alone approach. And this sort of herd mentality was totally wrong. And the reason why everything changed volt fast is when um, Mikel Arteta, the Arsenal manager, caught it. Next yeah. season, um, you know, there was no sporting. And it was just completely abrupt. Then, you know, our leader has caught it, the Prime Minister. And I'm glad he recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, have, uh, let's have it right. So you wouldn't wish that on, on anybody. And I'll, yeah. you know, I, along with everybody within the country, was hoping that he would pull through, and he did pull through. But that doesn't mean to say that the government shouldn't have had a proper coherent strategy uh, of having strict lockdown. When I say strict lockdown, not lockdown for three months, because I think it's like, you know, you, you, you want to bake a cake and you half bake it. And when you come out, it's sort of soggy, it's got a soggy bottom. And that's exactly the analogy I would draw uh, in relation to the lockdown. We came out far too early. Yes, I can understand the fact that people were going through, you know, uh, um, loneliness, mental health problems, mental health issues, economic uh, um, disaster. But if you want to actually control it properly, uh, I think we should have come out of uh, lockdown probably at the end of the summer. Uh, And again, people might say, are you mad, Sean? Uh, because what happened when people came out of lockdown and the numbers uh, 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 tended to decrease, what you saw was that people were getting together. They thought that the virus was basically defeated. The sun's out. Oh, yeah, it's just just another day, isn't it? <laughs> then the next thing you know, you see the spike. And yeah. that's what uh, Boris Johnson was saying. We're gonna, you, you know, you're going to see the spike. Why are you going to see the spike? Because you came out of lockdown too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... It's easy for people to sit back and criticise because, you know, who would want to be a prime minister or any leader uh, uh, leading a country through how to deal uh, with a problem like coronavirus? But when you look at the United States and the sort of blasé approach uh, by Donald Trump, Hmm. um, it was absolutely disgraceful uh, because all he was interested in uh, uh, was not people, uh, but um, pure self-interest, pure self-greed. And uh, one of the best things which happened in the 20th uh, in the 2020 was that Donald Trump lost the American election. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I think he's about nearly a month later. I think he's just starting to accept that he's lost. I, I think he's, this week is just really the ex- Get out. Get yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. But. You know, I, th- I think the US in particular, they're going to have a long time recovering from this. I mean, Biden will probably be, have a lot more stricter approaches with it. But, I, you know, I well, think well, what you find, I think um, the more right wing uh, the government, the more you put uh, the economy before people. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Brazil, if you look at India, they, uh, you, you know, their approach in relation to how to deal with the uh, economy was, I thought, extremely lax and blasé, as opposed to having a firm grip. Uh, whereas you look at uh, the leadership shown by, and I think she's shown fantastic leadership, Nicola Sturgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, she's shown brilliant leadership. Uh, if you look at Jacinta Ardern in New Zealand, um, okay, New Zealand's an island country, but the way in which everybody pulled together, um, uh, they virtually eradicated the disease. And if you look at the fact that, uh, you know, now that they've got sport back, now that they've got the economy sort of uh, uh, um, kickstarting itself, um, that is the approach which Britain should have adopted, being an island nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I say, it's sort of Brexit mentality. 
that we're going to do it alone, we can do it ourselves, we can beat this. Uh, um, was the wrong strategy? Yeah, well, no, that, that's the thing with, with Brexit as well. It, it seemed like you know, although where what whether you were a leave or remain, it seemed like you know when this latest election happened, we have so many these days elections to talk about. But it, it seemed like we were kind of getting having some kind of plan in place with Brexit and stuff. But but it, it doesn't seem like that's the case. That I don't think well, there's a deal or anything. Well, I, I, I totally disagree. All they wanted to do was to get out of Brexit, uh, get out of the European Union, and uh, basically say, look, we want the same deal uh, as the Norwegian style type uh, relationship with the European Union, or the same type of relationship uh, with the sort of Canadian style deal. And, um, you, you know, if you're coming out of a major uh, European bloc, fair well and good. Uh, but Britain seems to think that uh, because we are Britain, we can actually strike deals around the world. Uh, and, you know, it might not necessarily mean that so the deals we strike around the world is going to be economically beneficial to this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, what's going to happen in uh, the next uh, uh, three or four weeks when, as I say, the transition period ends. And if we're out of deal, uh, then Britain thinks that uh, it can sort of strike its own trade deals uh, with the sort of freedom and independence to do what we like. Now, that's going to be... Uh, really interesting as to whether or not it's going to be in the beneficial long-term interest of the British people as a whole. I'm not talking about the concentrated few, because the concentrated few who basically uh, wanted Brexit are the sort of 1% who are basically uh, have the sort of finance and the sort of uh, influence to not be affected uh, by anything. Uh, whereas I'm looking at how it's going to affect the British people as a whole. Uh, and I sadly think, uh, unless you, you know, we uh, still have a relationship, a, an economic trading relationship with the European Union, and be able to actually strike deals around the world, um, then Britain may, uh, as I say, um, have that sort of degree of independence and autonomy and the right to self determination that it wants. But Trump's out of office now, but Joe Biden, the incoming uh, 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 US president, uh, he is a uh, multinational naturalist, uh, multinationalist. Mm-hmm. So he's into uh, you know uh, uh, various uh, co- uh, coalitions and partnerships, uh, and uh, he's going to look down at Britain with uh, a great deal of economic disdain. And if it doesn't sort out its Northern Ireland problem uh, in relation to one of the various sticking points within the uh, uh, sort of discourse between Britain and you uh, and the European Union. And Joe Biden and his Irish ancestry is going to come to the fore and he's basically going to say, you know what, just like Obama was going to say, get to the back of the queue. Mm-hmm. No, 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 absolutely. Do you think as well with the, the UK election that the reason why the Tories had the big win was, was it the Labour's stance that they need to be either we are remain or we are leave? Was that well, the fact I, they were kind of in between? I, say, I was never, I wasn't impressed, sadly, uh, uh, with the uh, uh, leadership strategy at the last general election uh, mm-hmm. because uh, it wasn't committed in any way, shape or form. It was fence-sitting yeah. uh, uh, and... Uh, all Britain, uh, uh, what Jerome, uh, what um, sorry, what Boris Johnson played upon uh, was the fact that uh, you know people were uh, tired of uh, being part of uh, a global organisation, economic organisation, and they wanted their degree of independence to be played upon. That mm-hmm. I've always seen Boris Johnson as an uh, uh, opportunist type of politician because originally he was a he was a Remainer, mm-hmm. uh, and he saw the I main chance. Uh, in uh, trying to claim that prize, what he uh, um, paid after most, the key to number 10. And that was the best route to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was dithering at the last moment, and the next thing you know, he switched. 
and all of a sudden becomes a darling of the right. Uh, but um, uh, this uh, um, COVID um, problem which uh, he's in, uh, inherited could be his undoing uh, because if um, by uh, you know uh, pandering to the right uh, of wing of the Tory party who really put want to put uh, the economic uh, uh, interest over and above slightly uh, the human cost to uh, uh, lives, then you, you you might see in the next few days what's going to happen in relation to the Tory rebellion. Mm-hmm. And the only thing which will um, prevent um, um, a, compl- a complete collapse of his authority uh, is the, the Labour Party supporting. Now, they're basically, they're like how, uh, I don't know if you know the play Richard III, where Lord Stanley uh, was hedging his bets as to who to go uh, on the side of. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or Richard III, and he was watching what was going on, and he put all his lot in with Henry uh, uh, Henry Tudor, and that's why he won the battle. Well, I think that's the approach which the Labour Party are adopting now. They're basically saying, okay, uh, we don't want to be seen to be criticising the government uh, because you don't want to be scoring points in that particular way. Yeah, you can criticise their approach, and uh, quite rightly, I think uh, Keir Starmer is showing very good leadership uh, at this present moment in time. But even then. Um, his position uh, um, is somewhat uh, not firm uh, um, in relation to what way he's going so far as um, not, uh, in terms of the economic um, future of this particular country. Yeah, I, su- I suppose it's like you're, you're someone that keeps yourself very well informed, but do, are you finding the news quite hard to watch at the minute? Because I, I watch news for half an hour and I, I feel depressed after half an hour. You have the COVID, you have Brexit, then you have Donald Trump saying what now? Then you have the, the Black Lives Matter protesting and stuff like that and divide that scores. It's, it's been a really diverse year with, you know, on one hand, you've got uh, the uh, terrible death, uh, uh, what happened, the unacceptable way in which George Floyd was murdered. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, um, the COVID, uh, you've got uh, the uh, collapse of uh, the economy. Uh, you, you've got uh, you know Donald Trump sort of spouting off his nonsense. Mm-hmm. So you know uh, the one thing we've been devoid of is really really good news. And sadly, I'm going to throw into the mix the death of Diego Maradona, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, which has been really really sad. So you know, 2020 has not been the best year in terms of good news. Hopefully, we'll turn a corner uh, when we actually get into the uh, decade. Yeah, yeah, things can only get better. As they, yeah, <laughs> as, as, I always say that, the DV song, things can only get better. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess going back to the world of um, quizzes, the quizzes that, you know, being a quiz master like yourself, um, is it, you've obviously been adapted, I guess, with COVID situation. Which is, which oh, yeah, I, I was, Zoom. I, I'm zoomed out when it comes to quizzes. I can't do enough Zoom quizzes um, because it's the way in which um, I can sort of, uh, you know, uh, reach out to people to try and give a little entertainment in their lives by taking, you know, being a Zoom master. When people ask me, will you take part in this quiz or will I sort of hop into this sort of uh, 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 quiz uh, parties, I'll always do so. Because if that's my way of basically lifting spirits, then I'll do it. You know, I always I always send constant Twitter messages to people wishing them happy birthday or sort of sending them messages of uh, support and sort of encouragement. And, uh, you know, as I've said to you before, um, you know, with fame comes responsibility. And I think it's incumbent upon people like me uh, to try where they can uh, to help lift the gloom uh, of uh, which has developed our society. Yeah. So so when did you start getting involved in, in quizzes, in the quiz world? Like, when was that sort of um, start for you? 1999. Uh, I don't know if you know that I've written a book called Chasing the Dream. Yes, your autobiography, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's when I first started. 
um, because I, um, as a young boy, I was fascinated uh, by quizzes. You know, I was always impressed how, even at the tender age of five, watching University Challenge, how people could actually, you know, buzz a question and get it great for the cheering and things like that. Uh, I, I was, uh, I wanted to be like that. And uh, you know what they say about procrastination is the thief of time. And if you sort of sit on the comfort of your backside in the sofa, you'll never ever get things done. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see how good I really could be. Not for any prizes, which may be an offer, but to test myself. And if there's a prize at the end of it, then obviously I'm entitled to claim it. So uh, that's how I got into the world of quizzing. I wanted to see how good I was mm-hmm. um, uh, rather than sitting in the comfort of uh, my sofa. Yeah. And um, I never envisaged, if I was to look back on my life uh, 20 years ago, uh, when I, I'll say that uh, I was Sean who, uh, my career was sort of, you know, bumping along, uh, wasn't sort of hitting the heights that I'd always dreamed and envisaged it would be. I never would sort of uh, thought 20 years later uh, that I'd be fated as a sort of quiz god uh, known around the world. So, yeah. In, in, the, in the quizzing world, like, is it, all, is it all quite friendly or does it ever get, like, quite comp- very competitive oh, rivalry? Very, very competitive. And um, one of the advantages I had, I was never part of the quiz league um, scenario. I just did it from a company. My mates knew how good I was. And that was the advantage, I suppose. And it's a strange thing to say, but uh, another advantage I had being a quiz was black, being black, because I used to be totally underestimated. They used to look at me, who's this geezer? You know, yeah, you're about to find out. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, and uh, that's what served me well, especially when I was doing Mastermind. I knew who everybody else was because I watched them on quizzes shows. And so I had that strategy, but, you know, I was an unknown quantity so far as I was concerned, you know, and... uh, I was like Clint Eastwood, uh, the man with no name, right? Rode into town, uh, shot up who needed to be shot, and walked out of life. Yeah, no, I can, I can imagine it. It can be a pretty competitive world oh, yeah, in, in the quiz, in the quizzing uh, life. <laughs> um, so, were, were you ever? Were you? And this probably may be a silly question, but were you ever? Were you very academic at school? Or? Um, yeah, um, yeah, I was bright. Um, I love learning. Um, and I spoke, and I, as I talk about it in my autobiography, it's all well and good at having uh, that uh, photographic memory. But if you don't know how to answer exams under the pressure of time, then you're going to struggle. Yeah. And uh, it took a while for the penny to drop so far as I was concerned. And I remember, as I say, 41 years ago, when all my friends were at university and I was sort of uh, on the dole, uh, having to do a retake in one of my A-levels and wondering, you know, with my life going because I had no plan B. I was like the Muhammad Ali of my uh, year. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be the greatest. But if you talk the talk, you've got to be able to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very, very um, soul destroying, really. But uh, I suppose out of adversity, you sort of learn. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book as well because I want people to realize I wasn't born a mastermind champion. I wasn't born famous. Uh, but if you do have setbacks in life, uh, and sometimes you've got to take a step back. Uh, and analyze why, where you went wrong uh, and try to actually rebuild yourself, reconstruct yourself with the help of people who've got your best interests at heart. Uh, but ultimately, you've got to be able to want to do it for yourself because if you can't do it, then you'll never do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you need to take a step back forward in order to actually take those giant steps forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you, you're certainly the Muhammad Ali of the quizzing world, I'm sure. I mean, I love some of his quotes. What was, I think my favorite Muhammad Ali quote was, I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Um, so, what, what? So, you've done Mastermind and the Weakest Link, haven't you? The... Uh, I did the Weakest Link first in two thousand. Yeah. When I did the Weakest Link in two thousand, I, I didn't take part in the daytime show because I, uh, they realised how good I was as a quizzer. They put me in this 
Champions League one. Right. And I got the first 11 questions right. I got the next few wrong. And I remember when they uh, and said, uh, why are you voting Sean off? They turned around and said, uh, you're too, he's too clever. Uh, and I remember seeing Anne uh, in the uh, corridor after. She gave me a big hug and she said, oh, I thought he was going to win. I said, oh, that's the breaks, Anne. And the biggest compliment I was ever played by that show uh, was that when I won Mastermind, uh, I was a quiz question. And uh, I, 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 no great to honor. <laughs> Uh, twice I was a quiz question of the week, I think, and twice the person got it wrong. The first one was that uh, they asked who was the 2004, which black uh, lawyer was the 2004 mastermind champion, and they said Sean Williams. And another way in which they asked the question in another show uh, was that um, what was my profession, and they got it wrong. Brilliant. <laughs> but did you ever try for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Did you ever think about going? I, I was. Do, I, I tried like everybody else, but yeah. I didn't know that um, there was. Uh, syndicates used to form and I wasn't part of any sort of quiz league or quiz syndicates uh, but I'm telling you this now um, the harder the question the better my chance of winning okay. and uh, I if I'd have got to the million pound question I'll probably have won it wow. but in saying that if you were to ask me what would I prefer to win who wants to be a million, a millionaire, million pound uh, winner or a mastermind champion being the first black person to do so I'll be delighted every single time. You know yeah. why? You can spend a million pounds. Exactly, yeah. You'll never have that taken away from you. Absolutely yeah. amazing, yeah. I mean, did you see that? There was that um, drama, I think, at the start of this year. It was about who wants to be a millionaire with the coffin. Yeah, and the yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, was really good. interesting. Just seeing yeah. how it all worked and yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it's really good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a really interesting watch. I really, really enjoyed that. Did you have a system in how you remember like facts and knowledge? Or... <laughs> Okay, after I, tonight I'm going to, after I take part in a quiz, I'm going to be sort of revising for about two hours. So what I normally do, I revise, um, I test myself on the toughest shows like University Challenge and the Mastermind and see how many questions I get wrong. That's what I'm going to remember. Right. If I know the answer, I know the answer. Yeah. If I get wrong, I'm going to remember. And the way in which uh, you can sort of train your mind to actually recall or get involved in quizzes is to have an interest. The more interested you are on a subject, the easier it is for you to remember it. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, they're really... I've, I remember seeing a programme as well with uh, Darren Brown. He was doing something with, with someone trying to um, get them to be a quiz champion. Like, you know, he do, it was some sort of... Um, brain thing that he managed to do with them and he, he managed to be he had a week with this person just like with all these books and just he said I've got all these books I just want you to read them all and just have your finger going through each line like that and go through them and yeah and then he had the the quiz thing and I think he did really well in the in the quiz so it's it, I, I find it fascinating how the brain works because I mean I have um I've tutored some people with autism before and you know sort of um their academic level was very very low in terms of reading and writing and, you know, and communicating. But then, like, they have the countdown come on and it'll be the number that they have to get to. And just like that, got it. And it's yeah. just like, how? how? Certain people have certain skills. Yeah. Um, um, you know, as I say, uh, it's the same with quizzing. Every Achilles has a heel. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. like soaps. I don't watch soaps. If I'm asked a question on soaps, I'm going to guess it. Mm-hmm. But I love, uh, most quizzes are good because their history is good. Remember, history tells the origins of the beginnings of society and life. And, and if you can under, have a, an appreciation of, uh, uh, you know, events which happen in history uh, in terms of uh, um, uh, 
as it happened, that, uh, then you may have an appreciation of the history and the origins of a certain subject, the history of music, the history of politics, the history of economics. And so, so if you can understand the historical origins of a subject then, uh, and, you, and you find it interesting, then your interest in that subject is going to grow. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Do you feel like you have a, what is your specialist subject? Like, what, your bread and butter, I suppose. Like- uh, my strongest subjects are history, sports. I'm quite good at geography, good at literature. Uh, I'm rubbish and crap at video games uh, <laughs> and um, and soaps. Okay. I'm going to be... As I say, every Achilles has a heel. You know what, next time I'm watching The Chase and I see a video game or soap question come up, I'm going to be like, right, let's see Sean's poker face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I've found um, sort of over this year, I've sort of been trying to do a bit of sort of his- learn about sort of history and stuff and one one case I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all but there's this one I or, I find the assassination of JFK absolutely fascinating like I watched the they've seen the Oliver Stone film and um the, that that movie um the Lee Harvey Oswald situation I read this book as well but I think it's called Best Evidence do you do you think from your history knowledge that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone uh, if you used to ask me, um, I would say no. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I was pushed, I'd say no. Yeah. Because I reckon that there was a shot from the Greasy Knoll. Which the Grassy came, Knoll, yeah, yeah. The Grassy Knoll, which came in front of the uh, presidential motor cavalcade. Mm-hmm. So, who shot that? I think there's a conspiracy between probably the Russians at the time getting their own back for having been humiliated uh, in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, and I think they uh, uh, managed to seduce a disgruntled ex-Marine who had sort of Russian, sort of Cuban uh, sympathies in Lee Harvey Oswald. And it was interesting how uh, he was assassinated two days later. Exactly, yeah. Just too, just uh, too perfect, isn't it? And yeah, the case was closed. Yeah. <laughs> case closed, we'll, 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 we'll never know. But, I mean, he did murder that police officer mm-hmm. uh, trying to apprehend him as he was escaping from the sort of uh, Dallas the prostitute building. The prostitute building. So, um, I still think he was involved. Uh, I think the shadowy hand uh, of probably uh, the um, mafia mm-hmm. uh, who had an axe to grind against Kennedy. There's loads of people who had an axe to grind against. You could even say that uh, probably Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson had an axe to grind against Kennedy because mm-hmm. he, they hated each other. Uh, not really, you know, they didn't actually, he was a Southern Democrat. Um, um, and, you know, he had a sort of liberal, dark thinking uh, uh, Democrat from the North. And uh, the only reason he chose uh, Johnson was to actually try and actually um, attract the sort of right-wing element of the sort of Democratic Party and the sort of uh, left-wing element of sort of uh, uh, Republican liberals, and basically point uh, the finger at uh, Milhouse Nixon to make a worse president. Look, he, he didn't even shave for the meeting. Yeah. Uh, and he, it was a razor-thin uh, uh, win for Kennedy. Then you've got... Uh, um, Castro could have had a, a hand in it because obviously with the Cuban Missile Crisis, if we were down at Castro, he would have let the bombs on the island and uh, press the nuclear button and we wouldn't even be having this conversation today. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a load of people who, are, who could have been part of this sort of global conspiracy who could have had a hand, a shadowy hand in the assassination of Kennedy. But uh, um, by and large, I think it was um, uh, one man who was acting with another who wanted to have uh, the global fame of uh, assassinating U.S. president. Yeah, perfect. Sitting target, you know, travelling in an open motorcade, which was madness in itself. What type of protection was that? Oh, I yeah. mean, Kennedy's skull was blown off. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's insane. So that was just that was something I watched a documentary earlier this year and just fell down this rabbit hole of JFK, uh, who was involved, who could have been. It just baffled me. Like when you shoot the president, you you get a bus and you go home, then you walk through to town to go to the cinema, and that's where you got arrested at the movie theater. Just yeah, just 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 seems a really odd, odd uh, story to the official story. I'm sure he was maybe aware of what was going on or the situation. But to kind of, um, you know, I don't know if he would acted alone in that, for sure. Um, I, I don't think he did. Uh, I think there was that shot from that grassy you know. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk to you, obviously, about the, the chase. And there's, there's been a bit of um, news with the chase recently, because I know you have this, a new chaser that's come on board. And I think Anne's yeah, spoken out and wasn't too happy yeah. about it. When a, when, a new, when a new chaser comes on, does it change? Because I know I always... Just think you, the beast, and they're the free, and then Paul came in. But that they're the kind of ones that you know. I well, as, I, as I say, if anybody should have the hump, it's me, and I've never had the hump because I'm the world's first chaser. I was yeah. the first person in the world who can call himself a chaser. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was, uh, um, it was me who had to go through all the uh, uh, auditions in front of three different ITV commissioning panels. I was working that show by myself for four months. They brought in Mark. Great, that's good. You know, good. We're both starting out together. They brought in Anne, which is brilliant. Every chaser who's come on board, I've always welcomed them with open arms. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks like clickbait. It looks like you know self-serving. Why are you having another chaser? It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Uh, but I hope it doesn't become a, a media circus in terms of having too many chasers because uh, it's like being in the Beatles. Everybody, you know, quizzer <laughs> in uh, in Britain would love to be a chaser. It's oh, the most popular yeah. chaser in the world, and I feel privileged to be a chaser. Because it's like being in the Beatles. Yeah, no, I can ima- yeah, I can imagine. It just does it does it change the dynamics at all when the new chase no. comes on? No, no, not from my perspective. No, no, no. That's, when the first came on, I welcomed him with open arms because you know what? It was a great story. He used to be a contestant. Now you're a chaser. You made that step up. Yeah, it's like it's like you know uh, the dream. You know anybody can achieve. You know you can be a mere contestant to a a quizzing icon god, and that's what he is now. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So when when you've been um, against some contestants, is there any contestants sometimes where you've been like, I mean, I'm sure you want to beat them all, but is there like, is there one that's ever been a bit smug or been like, you know, I really want to beat this this guy? <laughs> no, you got to be professional all the time. But yeah. they, it, listen, we've got all the advantages. I'm a professional quizzer. I'm used to the studio bright lights. So I've been. Uh, I'm a barrister trained to think on my feet, think under pressure. So you know, any little advantage they get, use it. Yeah. I'm not offended. All right. If you if you want to be rude, fine. If I knock you out, then get out. That's what I'm always saying. Oh, one one brilliant one. Uh, one contestant came and she goes, "I don't rate you as a chaser." Okay, and I knocked him out in three questions. And he <laughs> tried to uh, you know placate uh, the situation. I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, get off." <laughs> but I'm the only chaser who go and see the contestants afterwards, whether they win or lose. Oh, that's good. Oh. So, because I guess sometimes it can. Do you ever feel a bit? Obviously, like you say, you stay professional. But for example, when you've got a nice group of people and you've come within a second and you and you've just wiped out in the final chase, just you know, they came, they came here with nothing. They're leaving with nothing. Mm-hmm. And conversely, if they win, when I lost the uh, one time the biggest win for a team with ninety thousand pounds, the girl was crying. Fantastic. I was gutted that I lost, but I went and see all of them afterwards. Yeah, because it was brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, what's it like working with um, Bradley Walsh? Obviously, he's kind of the people, oh. the people's host, really, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, as I say, the one thing I like about Bradley, as I say, we sort of had a parallel upbringing. Really, he's a Watford lad. I'm a Wembley lad. But, you know, uh, he likes football. I like football. He's a professional footballer. I played uh, uh, part-time uh, professional football. He gave up football uh, and did the sort of hard yards working in working men's clubs. You know, what I mean, sometimes in front of five people, and uh, he persevered with his talent. Uh, and uh, I always say this, uh, there are um, millions of uh, um, talented people of Bradley's sort of skill who are much better than Bradley, and that talent will never see the light of day. Uh, but he happened to be in the right place, right time, seen by the right people. Uh, and that's why I always say to people, always make sure you put your best foot forward, because you never know who's watching you. Yeah. Everybody needs that bit of luck. I don't care how, don't care how talented, you still need that bit of luck mm-hmm. to get you, take you to where you want to get to. No, no, absolutely. But he, I mean, he really does. Uh, he's he's kind of the perfect personality to have, I think, with the, with the chase. Yeah, got you, you guys. You know, and... When we when we did the first pilot, we you know we had the first we had a presenter whose name is going to be uh, remain nameless. He was so wooden. I seen trees more animated <laughs> in terms of personality. And when I saw uh, Bradley, uh, and it was the day before my forty ninth birthday, we filmed the first uh, pilot. Oh, wow. and I thought, oh, this was you know he's not bad, Bradley Walsh. You know, three. <laughs> Actor, you know, a bit of a lad, you know, I mean, he could sort of add something to it. He's gone from strength to strength. No, uh, the chase has been the perfect platform to catapult him into the sort of uh, entertainment stratosphere that uh, people can only dream of. Yeah, and good for him, he's earned it. Yeah. Well, was it weird? Was it weird for you, like when when the chase really kind of became really popular, when you kind of turned into this from quizzer to celebrity? Was it was it weird, kind of having that? Experience of people really knowing who you were, where you were going out and about. Yeah, it didn't bother me in the slightest. I mean, no. you know, I, I, I suppose that comes with uh, uh, experience and age. You know, I don't get caught up in the hype. You know, it's like, hey, I'm sure what, ah, what, <laughs> what? because I remember what it was like twenty years ago. I was Sean who? Mm-hmm. You know, people could walk past me on the street. Mark and and Paul would say the same. We were nobody twenty years ago. Now we're, you know, and that's why I think we we all get on well. We're all relative, we're all grounded. Yeah, keep yourself grounded. That's the idea. Yeah, keep yourself grounded. I mean, I'm yeah. only as good as the last question I answered correctly. You know better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, is it? Do you, do you ever like get like the press or anything like that trying to sort of dig into? I mean, you, I know you've got pretty much a, you're pretty open in your autobiography book, but have you got? Do you ever have like the internet or press trying to sort of dig a few well, things about yeah, you? Yeah. They may, you know, on Wikipedia they said that I was married. And I've never been married. And uh, <laughs> I asked them to take it down. And next thing you know, I'm constantly married. Then they did an article about me. And they said, I said, right, that's it. I'm not having now. Wash, wash, wash. Got my agent. If you don't take it down, guess what? You'll be hearing from my lawyers. So I'm not going to stand on for nonsense. You know, uh, I'm public property, but I'm not owned by the public. No, no absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it, must be, it must be difficult, like, to... Uh... Have people kind of wanting to well, they'll ride of anything like true or I false? Mind, yeah, I don't mind that because listen, the one thing I'm conscious about the only reason I'm so mega famous is because people make me famous, mm-hmm. so that's why I'll stop, I'll send autographs, I'll do that because I do it because I want to. It's my way of saying thank you. As long as you're not rude or intrusive, fine. If you become rude and intrusive, yeah, 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 we, we met. Well, we we mentioned um, you know the horrific way that George Floyd was murdered. Murdered. Have you ever had to deal with 
you know, racism, whether it be in your Barristan days or as a TV presenter. I, I never, as a kid growing up, you would call the, you know, the N-word, the C-word that, you know, happened and you had to sort of fight your porn and fight back. And, you know, with the area which I grew up with, uh, you know, if somebody called me that, uh, guess what? Bang, straight in the mouth. That's, mm-hmm. how, that's how we were. And we could look after ourselves. Uh, you know, when you work into, when you go into a world of work, I was never ever told that I can't do this because I'm black. Yeah, there are subtle ways in which... Uh, uh, the concrete ceiling is always put over the head of people uh, uh, of colour, people who are black, people from an ethnic background. Uh, but I've never allowed that as an excuse um, to actually prevent me from going where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of the colour of my skin. I'm proud of the community in which I grew up with. And I'll always represent them and uh, to the best of my abilities. Yeah. No, absolutely, because obviously there was, and rightly so, there was a lot of anger with the George Floyd situation and the protests and things. But it, but it seems to become a bit more diplomatic rather than the... the well, what is he, you're always going to get the initial fire and rage, as I say, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and it's going to die down or become more circumspect. Um, but as long as we never lose sight of the fact that uh, we're not going to tolerate this, mm-hmm. uh, that's kept in the public eye, then that's... Uh, we must always make sure that uh, we keep that message strong. No, uh, absolutely. Um, so we've you know, got people like uh, you know the great Lewis Hamilton uh, and uh, you know uh, uh, black role models like um, Marcus Rashford, who uh, mm-hmm. I just as a, as a tender age of twenty-two, he is an exemplar uh, of uh, what I would want uh, in a black human being. Yeah, and and just the fact that he's coming, you know, he's trying to do something really positive with the with the school dinners for kids, and he's coming up against a brick wall almost. is 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 it's not nice to see at all. Like you would well, get behind him, but he's taken on the government and basically got his own way. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and what I love about him uh, is that he never forgot the times when he was hungry. Fifteen about fifteen years ago, he suffered that same hunger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not knowing. Uh, how his poor mum was working hard and, you know, really struggling to put food on the table. Um, so he's never forgotten that. And he's never allowed that to actually um, uh, um, just always stay in the forefront of his mind, uh, even though, as I say, uh, he's used his natural talent, natural prodigious talent, mm. uh, to take him to, um, you know, well-deserved fame and glory. Yeah, not a bad footballer either, is he? You'd have him at Chelsea. Oh, I, I, listen, when, when there was a time I thought, he, you know, he might want to leave Man United. I'll say, Chelsea, sign him. <laughs> sign him. Sign him. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just outrageously skillful. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that. Um, yeah, yesterday, yesterday when United, they, we, obviously we were recording this when for the weekend of football and, uh, you know, they came back to um, you know, win their game United and the, yes, the, cro- the cross that Rashford put in for Cavani. Oh, beautiful cross. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so obviously, like, similar to Don't Rock the Boat, I suppose, like, would you ever do anything like I'm a Celebrity? Would you ever go yeah. into it? No. Because Anne did it, didn't it? Not because, I, not because I'm frightened of anything. Not because, it's because of the fact that I'm still a practising barrister. The only reason I did Don't Rock the Boat is because it was a sporting challenge to it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Were you, were you um, watching when Anne was in it? Like, follow it? Uh, I don't really watch reality TV. Obviously, you know, I was aware she was in it. I sent a message of support, but I'm not going to sit down uh, and watch reality TV, which I find boring. Yeah, no, I, I don't watch stuff like, you know, the programs you get like Love Island. I, I don't mind the, anything Anton Deckman I can watch, but stuff like Love Island and all this, I can't get into any of that no. really, to be honest. Um, so, what? I know you're going on holiday next month, so you're going to be looking forward to that. But what, what kind of are you you're hoping for the next year to bring for you? 
Um, 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 for everybody else, because I'm a sort of altruistic type of thinking guy, I just hope that um, you know everybody gets back to near normal, um, uh, and uh, the pain and suffering that we've had over 2020 will be a sort of bad memory which we can sort of never forget, but sort of uh, hopefully erase uh, from our everyday lives. Uh, for myself, um, as I say, the reason why I call my book Chasing the Dream is that I'm all about setting goals and challenges myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I'm just looking forward to an exciting new year um, for myself. Hopefully Chelsea will regain the Premiership and uh, England probably uh, win the sort of European Championship and we have a fantastic Olympics and, uh, you know, I think this was in value, of course. Yeah, let's hope for good, for good things to come. And uh, Sean, thanks so much for coming on today. It's been great talking to you. Enjoy your holiday and keep doing your thing. <laughs> and I hope everybody who's watching this podcast uh, keeps all state safe and uh, have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, okay, we all can't go to Jamaica, but have a wonderful Christmas. <laughs> Please do it so safely and have a wonderful, wonderful 2021. Okay, thanks very much, Sean. Okay, bye. So yeah, a great chat there with uh, the chasers, Sean Wallace. Just really uh, interesting getting getting his thoughts on a, a wide range of uh, of topics there. Um, yeah, really great talking to Sean. We uh, hope he has an amazing holiday. Um, you know, he probably deserves it after. Well, we all deserve it, I suppose, after the year we've all had. But yeah, just a wonder, wonderful guy to talk to. Really fascinating guy to talk to. Could just just hearing his um, just hearing his knowledge on 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 so many things, me just picking a random um, topic in history of the JFK assassination. And uh, that's pretty much as much as my history knowledge is just because this year I've been sort of uh, (laughs) not, you know, looking at pointless things like that. And Sean just be able to pick it up and go, yeah, okay. I didn't, didn't tell him I was going to discuss that at all, but you know, he, he um he he knew probably more more than I did, and I've sort of been relentlessly looking into the JFK case um this year from books and documentaries and things like that. But Sean straight away was able to know exactly what I was talking about, knew his theories, knew all the names of people involved, and yeah, just just an amaze. Just his brain is just uh something else, isn't it? Um, even though he's a Chelsea fan, but we'll we will we will hold that against him. We well we won't hold that against him rather. Um, but yes. Uh, good luck to Sean in the future. I'm, I'm looking forward to now seeing him, but well, even more so. I'm looking even more so forward to seeing him um, competing what he and doing what he does best on the chase. Um, be sure to check out Sean on Twitter. Um, Sean Wallace on Twitter. Um, yeah, really, really nice guy, and he's he's always communicating with um, people that want to talk to him on Twitter. So, yeah, I really recommend. Um, following Sean on, on Twitter. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, please. You can follow um, us under the Shapes of Stories on Twitter. That's at Shapes of Stories. You can follow me on Twitter at LPrestige7. You can follow me on Instagram at Prestige Books, And you can follow me on Facebook, just under Lawrence Prestige. Uh, but yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Some more great episodes coming your way. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. We've got some really great things to share with you that we need you to subscribe, please. Um, yeah, so thanks again, guys and um, look forward to speaking to you again soon.